Hello and welcome to episode 61 of the Vegan Business Tribe podcast with myself, David Pennell, co-founder of Vegan Business Tribe. And if you have a vegan business or you're just thinking about starting one, then Vegan Business Tribe is here to support you and to inspire you, not just to build a vegan business, but to build a successful vegan business. And we're well into the new year now. And we've got so many exciting things in the pipeline for Vegan Business Tribe, most of them which unfortunately I can't announce yet, but we're really excited by them and I know that you will too because it includes what we're hoping will be our first live in-person vegan business event. And I know that we had a little bit of an informal members meetup at Vegan Campout last year. And that's where we actually got to meet some of you. You know, we got to meet our members, but we're hoping that this is the year when we can actually get on the road as Vegan Business Tribe and you'll be able to buy tickets to come and be with us. Now, that's as much as I can say for now, because it's going to be reliant on a few moving parts just all coming together. And that includes COVID not locking us all up again. But live events were always intended to play a massive part of Vegan Business Tribe. In fact, we actually launched Vegan Business Tribe with an event in Bristol. And we had about 70 people booked on. But the afternoon of that event, it just so happened to be the same day when UK Prime Minister Johnson came on to all of our televisions and told us that although the government weren't going to close down the venues, we shouldn't go to them. So we've been itching to actually be able to bring our members together for an in-person business event ever since. And we're hoping that 2022 is the year. So all I can say for now is keep your fingers crossed and watch this space for more information. So this week, I'm actually going to be quite controversial today because we're talking about why your business shouldn't sell to vegans. Now, I know this is vegan business tribe, so it might sound a bit dumb me telling you that you shouldn't be selling to vegans. But I am purposely trying to be a little bit controversial in saying that because, of course, some companies will always sell to vegans. It will be their main customer base. You have companies like our favourite clothing company, Viva La Vegan, whose whole remit is to make ethical statement wear to help you become a walking billboard for the vegan movement. But even Viva La Vegan have got their non-vegan customers. And this is the conversation that we keep having. Some people are not sure about launching a vegan business because they just don't know if there are enough vegans to sell to. But for most of us, having a vegan business, it's a form of activism. And if you ask yourself, where are you going to have the most impact? Then that's always going to be with non-vegans. And just this last week, I was in a conversation in a Facebook group with somebody who was planning to open a cafe, but they didn't know if it was a good idea to open it as a vegan cafe because she didn't think there were enough vegans in her town. Now, 
straight away, I jumped on that conversation, posting a link to listen to one of our podcasts where we'd spoken about that. But as I was typing, somebody else added a comment saying that they were a vegan cafe owner and the majority of their customers were not vegan. In our local vegan cafe, I had a long conversation with the owner about this. She told me, and especially after the first pandemic lockdown lifted, that she had people politely knocking on her door, putting their head around and asking if they were okay to come in and eat in her vegan cafe because they were not vegan themselves. They were just wanting to try vegan food because they were trying to cut down on the amount of animals that they were eating or they just believed that it was healthier. And this is something that we're seeing a lot of now. Many vegan companies that sell vegan products or services will tell you that a big proportion of their customer base or even the majority of their customers are not vegan. We know that 93% of the people who buy the plant-based Beyond Burger are meat eaters. And we know that because of Beyond's own customer research. Do you really think that McDonald's launched the McPlant Burger for vegans? Do you think that Burger King have committed to having a 50% plant-based menu by 2030 because they're concerned that not enough vegans were coming through their door? These companies, they know their customers. And of course, many vegans miss that convenience of being able to drop in for fast food. But these companies know that the majority of the people buying their vegan options are not vegan. They are people who are looking to cut down on their consumption of animal-based products for their health or for the environment, but they've got no plans on giving it up entirely. They are mainly sold to people who think that eating plant-based food, it's cool or it's exciting, but they don't identify as vegan. Therefore, the people who view eating meat alternatives as the same as putting out the recycling every week or having a reusable shopping bag instead of buying plastic ones each time they shop. Choosing vegan food, it's just the same as all the other little steps that they have taken to help reduce their environmental impact. And the truth is, if you have a vegan product or even a service then these people will likely make up your biggest potential audience. For example, if you're a vegan nutritionist, and we've got some cracking ones as members over on Vegan Business Tribe, if you're looking for one, then let me tell you from their experience that finding vegan customers, it's going to be hard. And that's because most people who turn vegan have, by necessity ended up educating themselves on nutrition. It's something that we're largely quite good at, knowing where to get our B12 from. But the far bigger marketplace for a vegan nutritionist is the meat eaters who are not vegan, but they're looking to cut down on their meat intake. These are the people who are terrified and absolutely clueless, and they will pay somebody to guide them. 
Take long-standing vegan business tribe member Amanda Nathaniel from Thrive for Life, who you can find at thriveforlife.com.au. Amanda is a nutritionist who also sells cooking class experiences run on the balcony of her Queensland home that just so happens to overlook a rainforest. Now, Amanda is vegan, and very ethically so. And she wanted to teach more people how to create better, healthier vegan food. So she launched a cooking experience aimed at vegans and no one was interested. So she rethought her messaging and instead launched her ultimate plant-based feast cooking experience. Again, not aimed at vegans. And that one sells out every single time. And the interesting thing is that all her cooking experiences that she runs are vegan, but most of the people who book on them are not. And they probably don't realise that they're vegan when they book. Because if you look at what you'll be creating on Amanda's Mexicana cooking class experience, for example, the menu tells you that you'll be making jackfruit enchiladas, mango and peach salsa, charred corn cobs and sweet potato nachos with cashew cheese. And there it is, vegan food just hiding in plain sight and nobody complaining. And the reason that this is so great is that Amanda could spend all her time teaching vegans how to cook. But how much impact would she be having if she did that? By selling her vegan cooking experience to non-vegans, how many seeds is she planting in people's heads when they realise that they've just created and eaten an amazing four-course meal without using products that come from animals? How much good work is she doing on moving the vegan course forwards whilst also getting paid to do it? How many new vegans do you think that Amanda has been responsible for starting on their journey. And isn't that why we all set up a vegan business in the first place? I often say that if you've got a vegan company, but you only sell to vegans, then you've kind of missed the point of having a vegan company. Heather Mills is a long-time vegan activist who owns the hugely successful V-Bites company. And she's come under criticism from some vegans in the past for focusing on creating food like the smoky cheesely beans in a can or for creating like-for-like vegan products that mimic animal-based ones. But she says that she ignores those comments because she's not making food for vegans. They're the people who have already converted. She's aiming her food at those who are not yet vegan. And they've got preconceptions of what plant-based food is, what it's going to taste like, and she's aiming to get them to change. And it's not just about selling food. In fact, the companies who always approach myself and Lisa to consult with them on the vegan marketplace are usually non-vegan companies. It's the high street brands and the big food manufacturers who are getting a demand from their customers for vegan products, but they don't know why or how to respond. And to them, our knowledge of a marketplace was very valuable. And if we're being honest, we were happy to take their money and use it to fund and grow Vegan Business Tribe, which is why Lisa used to call Vegan Business Tribe our Robin Hood exercise. 
This is also what the Vegan Society do with their vegan trademark. And the Vegan Society, they've got the highest standards of any of the vegan certification marks. But the vast majority of the companies who apply for the Vegan Society vegan trademark are not vegan companies. But, and I've worked closely with a vegan society, so I've seen this happen. You know that just connecting with the vegan society trademark team will have a real impact on those non-vegan companies. The vegan society view everything as an opportunity for education. And at the same time, the vegan society put all the money that they earn from the trademark scheme into the campaigning and the lobbying that they do to help create more vegans. People who run vegan events and holiday companies, they tell me how non-vegans make up a large part of their customer base. When Lisa and I took a stall at our local vegan market, we found that less than half of the other people who had stalls were vegan. And a large part of the people visiting the vegan market, they weren't vegan either. The last time we stayed at a vegan B&B in Scarborough, half the people joining us for breakfast in the morning, they weren't vegan, but they'd actively chosen to stay at an openly vegan B&B. And these customers, they ranged from people who had come to stay because they were interested in learning more about veganism. So they were already somewhere on that journey, but also people who had no interest in being vegan but they assumed that a vegan b&b well it'd just be a nice place to spend the weekend and you will likely find that you too have this large marketplace available to you of non-vegans who have no problems buying services or products from a vegan company as i said earlier Many people now see veganism as shorthand for being environmentally sustainable and ethical, and no one is going to have a problem with a supplier that is both of those things. In fact, larger companies often put pressure on their supply chain to be more sustainable and environmentally conscious. And as a vegan company, you've already got that baked into your benefit. However, some companies just want to sell to vegans. And I get this. I, I really, really do. It's why we came back to the idea of Vegan Business Tribe, because we just wanted to spend more time in the company of other people who had the same ethics as we do. So if this is you and you understand that there is a huge marketplace for vegan products amongst non-vegans, but you just want to deal with more vegans, then you can still do that. However, there are few companies that will be able to only do that. Even huge festivals like Vegan Campout here in the UK, which is probably the most vegan thing you can imagine. It's run by vegans for vegans. You will still find a significant amount of non-vegans there as paying public. But if you're a business-to-business -business company, so if you sell a product or a service to other businesses instead of the general public, then you will find that many of the vegan businesses that you want to work with, they simply don't have the money. 
And those that do, they'll already be getting bombarded daily by vegan suppliers wanting to work with them. And we see this again and again. You find the sort of dream vegan company that perfectly fits your ethics as a customer, but they just don't have the money to buy your services at a cost that is sustainable for you to sell them. So how do we overcome that obstacle? Well, there are a few ways around this. Look at what we've built with Vegan Business Tribe. Could we make it work by trying to work one-on-one with vegan companies as consultants? No, and we did try that first. But could we help hundreds of vegan companies all at the same time in a collective way for a far lower fee to each? Well, yes, and that's what we do now. So, could you do something similar? Or can you help companies to get the funding to pay for your services? Can you become experts in writing grants for your customers? And then those grants are used to pay for you. There are often local government grants available to help companies grow. And once you've helped one company get awarded from that grant scheme, then there is nothing stopping you from helping others apply for that same one. Or you could become an expert in helping these companies fundraise the cost of a new website, for example, from the followers and customers that they already have. Or teach them how to crowdfund the cost of a new machine that you manufacture. Another idea that I've seen is a company setting up what I call a community pot. And I first saw this idea used, gosh, over 20 years ago by a photographer that I used to work with. And she would take 10% of every invoice she raised and she'd put that 10% in a separate community pot. She would then use this pot to pay for the work that she wanted to do with the companies and the organisations that she wanted to help out, but that couldn't afford her fees. And in fact, she used this as a little bit of a marketing tool because her main customer base was large corporate clients like British Airways. And they loved that 10% of the fees that they were paying her went back into helping smaller, worthy businesses. And this was a really important point of difference because she wasn't just offering to work for free or reducing her rates for these companies. If a company approached her for photography that she really wanted to work with, but that they couldn't afford her, then she would still price up the project and provide a quote as she would to British Airways. But she would then pay herself for that work out of a community pot. And if there wasn't enough money in that community pot, she would either suggest that the company talk to her again in a few months or that they pay the difference to make up the full cost of the work. And the reason that this was important was that these companies then really valued her services. They knew that they were getting top level photography, but somebody else was picking up that bill. Because if you offer to work for somebody for absolutely nothing, then that's also the value that they place on your time. If you work for free or even at a reduced cost, then there's no limit on the amount of hours that company will be expecting from you. 
That's why I've seen graphic designers who have charged next to nothing for a project to do it as a little bit of a favour. And they've ended up sinking hundreds of hours into it through endless rounds of amendments. But this idea of a community pot, it gets past that. The customer understands that the work has real value and that a cost and therefore a time limit has been allocated to it. And then finally, if you do want to work with all vegan customers, then an idea that I absolutely love is this. Do everything you can to make your current customers vegan. Now, Feel Good Cafe, our vegan cafe in Chingford, North London. And when they opened, they employed local accountancy company Lesser & Co. as their accountants, who were based just around the corner from them. And because they were customers, Keith Lesser from Lesser & Co. started eating lunch at the cafe and just chatting with the owners and the other vegans who were there. Six months later, Keith found he'd been turned vegan. Not only did he turn vegan himself, he now runs Vegan Accountants, which works exclusively with vegan clients. And it's an amazing story, not only because of all the work that Keith has since gone on to do with Vegan Accountants and helping vegan businesses grow, but the fact that Aiden at the Feel Good Cafe managed to turn so many of his non-vegan customers, and in Keith's case, also his suppliers, vegan. You can do the same. Your business can plant those vegan seeds in the minds of your current non-vegan customers. We've got the Veganuary Challenge every year, so why not challenge your customers to go vegan for the month? Think about how your companies can put veganism on the agenda when you deal with your customers and clients. And if you hold client meetings, then make sure it's catered with vegan biscuits and explain that you're a vegan company when people ask you why you offer oat and soy milk and not cow's milk for coffee. Put free vegan recipes in with your products or even print them on the bottom of your invoices. Invite your customers to an annual summer drinks party at your offices where the catering is all cruelty-free. And don't worry about telling people before they come. If they know you are a vegan company, they'll understand that that's going to be part of the deal. And just remember that a lot of people are interested in veganism, or at least they're becoming accepting of it. So people will try those vegan chicken dips or vegan pork pies out of curiosity and probably be surprised at how good they are. Non-vegans are buying plant leather products not because they care about the animals or the environment, but because they simply think it's cool and fashionable. Who doesn't want a bag made from cactus leather or teak leaf? For the first time in history, we're starting to be able to say tentatively that vegan finally seems to be cool. Okay, so I started off by saying slightly controversially with this topic that your company shouldn't sell to vegans. And I was being controversial on purpose. Everyone loves a little bit of clickbait. But let's just have a bullet point roundup of what I actually meant by that. So number one, For most of us, 
Having a vegan business, it's a form of activism. And if you ask yourself, where is your business going to have the most impact? Then it's with people who are not yet vegan. Two, fortunately, this fits in with the marketplace too. And we know that the biggest marketplace for vegan products are non-vegans. Non-vegans eat at vegan cafes because they're trying to reduce their environmental impact or they believe it's healthier for them. Remember that Burger King and McDonald's, they're not releasing vegan products because they're concerned that not enough vegans are coming through their door. They are following the trend of people who view eating meat alternatives on the same level as putting out the recycling every week or using a reusable shopping bag. Three, often vegans are not the ones looking for help. With veganism comes a deal of self-education just through necessity. It's those that don't understand veganism who are terrified and absolutely clueless and will pay someone to guide them. Even a fair bit of a vegan society's income comes from non-vegan companies looking to the vegan society to help them make sure they're getting their vegan products right. Four, if you do want to sell to vegans, then you might have to find a way to make it work that is financially sustainable. So look at what we've done with Vegan Business Tribe in serving hundreds of companies in a collective way. Or instead of planting trees for every sale, consider allocating 10% of what you invoice your non-vegan customers to some form of community pot that will pay for the work that you want to do with vegan ones. And five... If you do want more vegan customers in your life, then what can you do to influence those non-vegan companies that you are currently working with? Because you never know what seeds you might be planting. Put recipes on the back of your invoices or hold a client and supplier summer party where all the food and drink is vegan. And there's no need to forewarn people. If you're very active about saying that you are a vegan company, then it will all be part of the expected experience. So that's it. And I really hope that you embrace what we've talked about today because so many people are being held back by not realising the full scale of a marketplace for vegan products and service that is open to them. And as I always say, if you are a vegan company and you are only selling to vegans, then you've kind of missed the point of having a vegan business. Now, just before I let you go, I'm going to ask you for a couple of favours. And I know, I know, I'm so demanding. But first, if you've really engaged with this podcast, then please do share it and help us reach as many other vegan businesses with this information as we can. A big part of our mission at Vegan Business Tribe is to help skill up the vegan business scene. And that includes you and it includes everybody else you know. So if you do know other vegan businesses or even just people thinking about setting up a vegan business, then I would be 
forever in your debt if you shared this podcast with them. And as well as sharing, please make sure that you do leave us a five-star review or a thumbs up if your podcast app lets you do that. And I know that if you're listening on iTunes especially, then you can even leave a written review. And that's one of the biggest things you can do to help our mission that will cost you absolutely nothing. But the second thing I want to ask you to do is if you're not yet part of Vegan Business Tribe, so if you just listen to this podcast or maybe you're on our mailing list, but you've not signed up as a full member yet, then please do go take a look at the website at veganbusinesstribe.com. Because if you sign up as a full member, not only will you get access to all our online events where you can meet other vegan business owners and our community of people who share your ethics, and that's not mentioning all our content and courses and all that other really good stuff that's going to help you grow your vegan business. But you'll also be supporting all the other work we do too. Vegan Business Tribe, it's only a small amount of money monthly to join. We're talking the same, or maybe even less than a Netflix subscription or buying a cup of coffee a week from your local coffee shop. But your support is what means that we can keep putting out this podcast every week. It means that we can keep creating all our content and supporting hundreds of vegan businesses to grow. But your membership, it also supports all the work we do to champion the vegan business scene around the world too. And Gosh, just this week alone, the BBC were in contact with us asking for information for a report that they're doing on the rise of vegan businesses in Scotland. I'm on a panel discussion on sustainable businesses next week. Why are we banging the drum for businesses going vegan to prove that they are actually sustainable? And we do everything we can to help raise the profile of the vegan business sector around the globe. And we can only do that with the support of our members, with the support of people just like you. Okay, so thank you so much for your time. Lisa and I, we really appreciate you giving up the time to listen every week. And I will see you on the next one.